Hello everyone. We have Sachin, good friend and uh, very very fun guy. I think the formula for success is don't die. <laughs> hey, just survive. <clears throat> But now I don't think how much similarities there. I always think technology was great. Mothership is a profitable business. How can we run out of cash? We realize that uh, things are not good, and that is when we said, okay, we need to look back again. Had to take tough calls. We were minus two crore in bank at one stage. If you look at the IT buyer in UAE, they did not have a lot of respect for Indian IT. India probably is the biggest opportunity in emerging markets, and then I look at it in three clusters: Suresh, Southeast Asia, Middle East, and Africa. Southeast Asia, Middle East, and Africa. and Africa. Remember, in mathematics, we used to have this statement called necessary but not sufficient. So, a product is necessary but not sufficient. for you to succeed in these markets Hello everyone welcome to Sasbomi's founders deep dive i think we have something phenomenal this show we have sachin good friend and we i enjoyed working with him in many occasions during sasbomi sessions and he is very very fun guy <laughs> and he also has a very fun personality look and feel with all the hairdos and everything <laughs> so so welcome to the show sachin uh, wonderful having you seriously i i am going to really have fun this, uh, this session also oh, resh i i've been a big fan of the podcast of course anything sasbumi does is impactful and very happy to be here to share what i've learned uh, and of course have a conversation with a very good friend thank you sure. thank you So, uh, Sachin, just to give you some background, um, we sort of tweaked this uh, session a little bit. We instead of going all over uh, the founder's journey, we'll probably do two solid uh, pieces and go deep, right? As the uh, rather than go broad. One of the things I noticed is that your career and uh, my career has a very close resemblance in the sense. Uh, <laughs> I I worked for like three four years in corporate, and then I after after that I started my entrepreneurial journey around the same time. Yeah, right. Like I started in two thousand three two thousand four. Exactly the same time. Exactly the same time. <laughs> and then you know we are all both of us are in this uh, this long journey, and I think yeah. we have a we I'm. I'm pretty much sure one of the reasons why we sync up a lot is that we have a lot of similarities in experience and <laughs> and what is this? Oh, I remember I remember the Orangecape days really well. Uh, we used to look up. I was a big fan of framework based systems. Uh, I think Orangecape was one of the early ones, and then what you did with Kisflow was phenomenal. I think that was that was a pivot that I was a fan of. And we know that in long journeys you have to change, you have to adjust. and there are very few uh, such long journeys to observe in india right you can count them on fingers so yeah i'm really happy to hear that see the, the there is no formula for success unfortunately right like if only there was one formula for success all of us could simply copy that and <laughs> get to that but one thing i personally liked is uh, there is always a formula for happiness though the formula for success is actually defined by external people unfortunately right and you got to keep and and these external people keep changing their success goal post <laughs> you know like you get a million dollars and then they'll say you know what no 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 you got to go now 10 million <laughs> and then you do 10 million they'll they'll say no 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 this you have to go to 100 million hmm. then you have to go like ipo or then you have to go to a billion dollar right so so this uh, formula for success is uh, constantly changing but the formula for happiness is very internal yeah right it's very internal and uh, you don't need anybody else's approval to define what your happiness uh, boundaries are or yeah. goals are and that actually helped me keep going at what i'm doing and i really enjoy doing it you know there are very very few times in my entire entrepreneurial journey which is like close to 20 years now where i have felt like very down like that will be last for two days or three days Yeah. and that itself happened only maybe for three times or four times that's about <laughs> mm. it <laughs> right mm. and the rest of the entire which is like what 365 days into 10 uh, which is like 3650 days into 2 which is roughly 70 7200 days <laughs> of entrepreneurial journey right <laughs> pretty good hit rate i think maybe entirely 20 days i would have been like down 
down hmm. and and rest of the time i was having totally very happy about it I, everything yeah. single thing i've done till now is felt very very happy i see the same same thing when i see in you <laughs> yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about it and then we'll go to the two so, topics you know a lot of people ask me that how are you still at it and uh, i remember a conversation with girish once girish of freshworks this was at, at a sasbumi party i think at pallav's place only and i said that you know the reason when we started uh, drishti uh, that was the name of the company in 2003 the reason actually has stayed the same uh, i'll tell you a little bit about the background right so i graduated in 2001 me bishal nayan uh, we were the co-founders at drishti and at that time especially coming out of an iit you, you know there used to be a few career options there were stereotypes right so you go to ms phd or you apply for mbas or actually there was another stereotype there that if you are from up and bihar you will go for ias we were saying you know why india is not delivering products right so we were fascinated by at that time what microsoft was doing what ibm was doing we we understood what steve jobs has done and we used to have this joke that okay tell me top 5 indian companies in it and everybody used to say switch right satyam wipro infosys tcs hcl then we used to say okay tell top 5 global companies people used to say hp ibm apple oracle microsoft they tell us a difference and it took a lot of time for people to realize what we are saying that everybody there was a product company and here was a services company and uh, then we used to give another analogy if you are building a house you need two people a contractor and an architect what would you like to become so everybody said architect because you know the architect would imagine and then contractor would execute and then we said why then everybody is busy becoming a contractor in india right let's try becoming architect there are these uh, issues in your life right that don't uh, you want to stay awake uh, thinking about them so we spoke to professors in our college we spoke to senior members in the industry and everybody said maybe risk aversion we don't know yeah all the ingredients are there so nobody was giving us like a sure shot answer so then we said okay let's start we will know the answer either ways i we would either we would have been successful and we'll answer it or we will know why uh, you know somebody is not able to deliver it now it is not just about my company right even association with saas bumi and working with other entrepreneurs the idea is still the same yeah you know why can't india deliver world class companies now and i think that is one theme that has stayed with me uh, which has motivated me the first 13 years i think yeah 12 13 year was bootstrapped so then you also have you were talking about formula for success right me and shiv could joke about it sometimes i think the formula for success is don't die <laughs> right? just survive if you are surviving long enough you will be successful in uh, you know Eventually. sort of the external yeah. compounding will hit at some point of time right? so So if that, you survive, that's what I realized. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, actually, that has that has stayed I with was, me. I was actually getting goosebumps. You know why? I'll tell you. The two things I said, exactly the same thing, man. The, the I'll tell you the two exact things I used to say when we started. I I had my mentor, uh, and we were talking uh, when we started. Hey, like, how do we create like a global product company out of India, right? And so we our original name for orange cape was just orange hmm okay i know where it's coming from <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was just orange okay and but there was orange telecom yeah and yeah. they came and you know we had some uh, we had issues with that and we called it orange cape for whatever reason and we had mm-hmm. orange is also california is also the land of uh, yeah. orange right so and orange is also like a tamil name i don't know no yeah. also people do not know that oh so the original root word for orange is also tamil uh, word actually sanskrit also says naranga or something narangi yeah yeah so from there only globally the name orange became orange okay people didn't know that so we actually had all these thing thought through when we created the company and then when i talk about the switch examples you said i used to say you know what hey like you buy an air conditioner and there is someone comes and fixes at home do you want to be the service guy who want to fix the air conditioner at home or do you want this guy who want to make the air conditioner and the tvs yeah. <laughs> and the refrigerators <laughs> right you know the similar to the home example hmm. it is exactly the same way we thought about it right no i because i think in the 2000s 
the country was uh, vibing with this aspiration yeah of 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 uh, that inflection point to change the narrative of the company of the country yeah, yeah. meaning for, from all parts of the country i am in down south and you are in top north yeah. right and uh, the, to the entire stretch of this country we were all you know reimagining a new india yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember not... my conversations in campus and you know campus are a wonderful sort of sample set for uh, the whole country right so we had uh, lots of folks from hyderabad chennai bangalore the the western belt so the conversations everywhere was india has arrived right so there was this upbeat products all products for india has arrived <laughs> yeah and then everybody was talking products yeah. and i think internet has got something to do with suresh i think exactly the exposure prior to that was only books which you know which takes a lot of effort but you were getting access to information of uh, information and knowledge that yeah. happened through internet you were, you right. could actually get stories and stories that intrigue yeah. you you were you were exposed to more stories and now now for example today's kids are exposed to even more stories so stories. so then the right environment will flourish it i think that is what is going to happen so very bullish on india yeah yeah super yeah actually let's switch gears and go into I, one of the things you know i part of amio drishti you also did inside sales box we also went from small ticket items to large ticket items especially in the emerging markets so the, the india b2b saas ecosystem is primarily built around horizontal smb saas but then a lot of these horizontal smb saas except for zoho most of them have transitioned from being an smb saas into go went up market including freshworks and everybody right so but i think you are one of those uh, pioneers who consciously made that switch i think even i actually did it little later but it will be good to understand what was your thought process what were you selling initially at what point did you decide like the, i had as this question somebody was asking me uh, we'll probably d- uh, explore the answers for those things like hey if you are selling $25000 deals easily during inside sales model why would you don't you simply scale the $25000 ticket sizes and because the cost is less you don't need to hire the feet on street sales and why would you want to go away from $25000 deals and sales cycles are less than 3 months to selling enterprise is going to be like 6 to 9 months and then you need people who are sitting on uh, on the feet on street or in the in in market and stuff like that and it's going to be expensive there are few ways we can address this but let's let's understand what we have been selling and I think the first ten years, Suresh, I have no shame in saying that we were reacting. So the first product actually came out uh, back in two thousand and six, uh, and that was what we call a dialer, which is used in a contact center to make automated outbound calls, and it was not even close to SaaS. Our competition was proprietary hardware, and we built it on a Linux box, right? So that was sort of the insight that. you don't re- need proprietary hardware uh, to run such applications and there used to be dialogic uh, cards and i think there were some boxes from avaya cisco that were required to run such solution we said you could actually run everything off one enterprise grade linux server now the first uptake happened for us in mom and pop bpos and incidentally at that time india the bpos that were calling into us and uk were mushrooming so we were able to position the we used to call it tax dialer at that time dacx dialer i oh, if only somebody had taught me marketing at that time but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that i was like how much similarity is there i always think technology was great later i realized <laughs> you know, if only i knew marketing was better than technology i would have probably taken <laughs> yeah but that product got us our first million dollars like very very fast we were selling in the north and then i think i got an opportunity to come to bangalore and there was an australia bpo in bangalore uh, and we set up an office there so we were just hiring and what you call as product market fit right that magic happened that suddenly everybody that you speak to in that segment requires that solution and they just come to negotiation table and you quickly close the deal and this was doing well i think the insight we spoke to a few investors at that time i still remember our conversations with uh, helion helion was started by folks who had just sold Daksh to IBM. Daksh was a very large BPO. And they said why only BPOs? I think enterprise would be a much larger market. And you know young entrepreneurs we were like super confident. We said no, BPO is the segment to be in. We are selling there like hotcakes. 
and he said you will hit a you know ceiling because the tam is not that big and we said these are all fancy words we should we should be busy with what we are doing they don't they don't have a clue <laughs> they don't have a clue right however uh, we started we started saying we should do the math right uh, maybe not today but in 2 years 3 years what if they are right and we did the math and they were actually very very right so if we had continued then we would have hit the saturation on the market so we then we did two things instead of a dialer we made the product into a complete contact center solution uh, and that is when ameo was born uh, the the name ameo was the name of the product at that time 2008 2009 uh, and we were very lucky suresh that at that time the consumer side market was very very buzzing right so we had paper tap meru urban clap right these companies were just starting to happen and these people liked buying from us because we were talking their language they didn't like talking to system integrators right who were not speaking their language we were engineers who were whiteboarding and said here is how we can do the solution i remember my conversations with abiraj who's the founder of urban clap so that segment then became after bpo that segment what we call today as consumer tech uh, became a large segment for ameo and we were sort of market leaders there we used to track every company that is getting funding and we basically grew with them ola ola the deal happened in a i remember in a basement kind of scene and they were just scaling very very fast and this helped us scale and interestingly around the same time the international exposure started happening so 2008 2009 philippines started happening for us because that was the next bpo destination so we set up an entity in the philippines set up a local team there from philippines there were linkages into malaysia so somebody from malaysia said we also want this and again i'm very shamelessly acknowledging we were just reacting right if i had to do this all over again i would plan it but we didn't have information we were just busy serving what was coming to us and saying okay what is the next segment we are serving what is the next segment we are serving and international also started growing consumer tech enterprise started growing i think our first real what people call enterprise customer happened in 2008 2009 this is a company called motila loswal securities it's now a very large wealth management firm in india and they were they had a vision of digitization they are still our customer today right they still use our on prem system and then we started realizing that a i think enterprise would be larger they have larger budgets because the percentage spend on it is very small right for a bank 2% 3% 5% of their revenue spent on it is nothing but bpo was spending 30% of their top line right so bpos were extremely cautious of cost whereas enterprise it wanted uh, productivity efficiency they were experimenting with ideas and that is when we said we should focus on mid to large enterprise right uh, uh, there are more budgets there is more value that we can bring on the table and hence i think we'll also grow faster that was the thought so these were some of the choices now there are two more choices right the first one was a fomo around that time we started having a feeling that we are going to be a lifestyle business because everybody was telling us so and uh, we should do something in saas we were still primarily on prem and this was not because we couldn't shift things to cloud the regulatory environment in india didn't allow us because you can't terminate a telephone line into the cloud telephone line has to be uh you know terminated on prem and we were thinking alternate architectures and how we can do this in subscription and we were forced to think that because the whole ecosystem said if you're not saas you're dead and that is when insights sales box happened right so then i said if you if you're doing saas then let's go us because everybody was doing us and we raised capital at that time first time we raised capital 2000 we were profitable everything was good we said if if you want to do us then we'll need a little bit deeper pockets and uh, we raised about 5 million dollars set up a separate group i led that group and first we called it tech so we were figuring out and then i went to a hubspot event called inbound first time in boston and that was my first exposure to marketing i said oh man okay we don't know anything then i said we're not going to call it tech so we i registered a domain called techso.cc can you believe it then i then i learned uh, that inside sales or sales development is an interesting space by the way around that time sales loft and outreach were just happening pre series a 
the space was interesting and we could use our current code base of Ameo and, you know, uh, accelerate the GTM and we launched Inside Salesbox. That I still believe is one of the best products that uh, I have personally done. Completely born on the cloud, self-serve, extreme effort on UX, you know, packaged, works out of the box. But I think that is when we also realized our biggest mistakes. So cost of acquisition in US was really high, right? Every time uh, I sign a customer, the first year revenue would be cost of acquisition, roughly. And those were models that people said, yeah, you know, if your first year revenue is equal to CAC and you can retain a customer for three years, that's, you know, three times LTV to CAC, everything should work. And somehow we were not okay saying, you know, why are we, why are we burning money to acquire customers while at the same time, and Suresh, this was a revelation for us. We closed a deal with HDFC Bank, a couple of million dollars. Somebody from Mongolia sent an inbound lead to us. We validated this was CTO of a telco. And we are saying, okay, at one end, you have these multi-million dollar deals that you can sign. And on the other hand, for $1 million ARR, you are struggling. Right? It, you can see it happening over one year, two years. And we said, uh, is it is it just because everybody is saying go US, go SaaS, uh, we are doing it? Then I think the final trigger came that while I was focused on the inside sales box business, the mothership business started shaking. We, we did some leadership hires there and that was not working well. Then our uh, head of finance said, we will run out of cash in six months. We have never heard this. So he said, are you serious? We, uh, mothership is a profitable business. How can we run out of cash? We realized that uh, things are not good. And that is when we said, okay, we need to group back again. Had to take tough calls. We were minus two crore in bank at one stage. And from there to, I think, 50, 55 crore in bank in three years, only focusing on large enterprise, right? And that, around that time is when I met Shipku. So uh, there were two, three learnings that I have, Suresh. It will change at some time, but I don't think there is a SMB SaaS play in emerging geography still, right? But if you're starting fresh, observe whether your market is ripe for, you know, are they actually valuing productivity coming out of the software? I want to a little bit stop there. See, I think there is a market opportunity in SMB SaaS, but there is no unit economics to yeah. address, address It that. requires field sales still, right? They still ask you to come to office. Yeah. So that is the problem. The need uh, yeah. is there. Everybody is dying. Like, for example, a lot of people come and pitch me, hey, I'm trying to do this marketing, digital marketing for SMB guys. And then I basically tell them, hey, if you set up an SMB digital marketing team, it's going to take like two and a half, three lakhs a month. Like an SMB guy will be spend just for the team, like two and a half, three lakhs. This is the worst case, right? Yeah. yeah. And there is no economics for him to do. He's expecting something to happen in 50,000. He'll yeah. pay flat fifty thousand, yeah. and we may have to supposed to make margins of thirty percent margin on so it. It's hard, yeah. I mean, it has to be completely self serve, low touch, and I think, yeah. I think the the way that we get disrupted is you don't bundle it as pure software, but bring in a little bit of fintech, uh, give them the software for free, but latch on to the fintech. I think that is how it will get solved uh, uh, first. Something like then that. pure package software. Yeah, so I think we talked about it, right? So the the reason why a lot of companies in India who started out SMB uh, and then moved up market is because well the market is quite large and the opportunity is real, but the unit economics to service that market is not there. Yeah, and because these companies expect the same in person, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, experience. Give us some some insights into this transition. Like for example. When you talk about uh, emerging markets, let's be specific and talk about what are those countries we are talking about. India, of sure. course, will be one of the emerging. We cannot leave out India in the emerging markets because yeah, it's yeah, a large yeah. India is the biggest. India probably is the biggest opportunity in emerging markets. And then I look at it in three clusters, Suresh, uh, Southeast Asia, Middle East and Africa. Southeast uh, Asia, Middle East and Africa. And Africa. So, so basically, Mia, Asia and uh, India. Yeah. Yeah, you, uh, you also, Mina is a better Mina is a better categorization because North Africa behaves like Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia will behave very similar to let's say a Kuwait, Qatar, or, you know. Yeah. And then amongst these markets, the most 
the most that performed for us and i would recommend folks to look at those markets malaysia indonesia philippines uh, those are good markets then in uh, mina saudi arabia and uae of course are the biggest in qatar kuwait those are very good markets and then in africa south africa nigeria kenya those are the three largest but i myself traveled to about 54 countries for work right so zambia zimbabwe ethiopia we would have banking customers i have a telco customer in somaliland we have never been there somebody brought us and a great deal right this is a telco the largest telco in that country and their contact center is running on our platform so there are pockets of opportunities if you are a horizontal play and you can serve banks telcos insurance companies for example what happened to india in late 80s 90s right uh, from public sector to private sector large group setting up banks uh, setting up teams to grow so in 20 years they will be what uh, they will see what india has seen right so now that you understand all this but in this we don't you don't put in um, new zealand and uh, australia in, in no we have tried a couple of times uh, i think the emotions there are a little different from some of these uh, countries and we were uh, mostly driven through uh, channel partners system integration partners i think japan and australia are more mature in terms of their adoption and it is require a little different gtm and it's yeah. a little more expensive also so you, it's better yeah. if you if you want to do these countries then you set up base there have a couple of folks there is is definitely needed is emerging market is one common behavior or are there nuances in these three regions which we the the founders who are going after emerging markets and yeah. also it will be good to know when you say emerging market what is the ticket size we are talking about because the enterprise us team for example for us mentally feels down if they deal with anything less than 100k yeah if they think like they are dealing with a ticket size of less than 100k they feel it's like inferior to their skill set <laughs> okay so And now yeah. no so so the enterprise uh, us teams cut off ticket size is like 100k although they are doing like 70k 80k sometimes you know they see like it eventually going to go to like 200k right but what is that range uh, in these markets sure. and what are the nuances for uh, these three regions so first of all let's understand the nuances you know people use this term called moat i think the emerging market moat is that you already have presence because it is not three markets it's actually 45 markets which means that you have to crack them one by one each country has their own uh, nuance once you are in the market you will continue to reap benefits but it's it's hard work to enter right so that is why it has taken so much time and if you'll see anybody who has cracked whole of gcc whole of africa it takes good 5 7 years for you to sort of cover the market uh, i don't think there is a shortcut to do that the nuances pricing varies in these three markets gtm slightly varies so i think the the maximum value and a very good thumb rule for this is just look at the salaries that folks have in those markets for example saudi arabia will probably pay the maximum buck, uh, maximum value because the the people cost there is really really high it's ultimately the enterprise software is either helping you do more sale or saving money for you right in both cases you can draw a parallel on am i doing work of two additional people or am i saving two people right if you can do that then the maximum value is in middle east then southeast asia and then india now africa is a different ball game you can actually have very high value because that market is underserved people there are cios there are extremely hungry to know and if you can honestly go educate they will realize the benefits and you become a partner of choice and suresh i would want our viewers to understand that exotel which is the company now we are also a little different in terms of business right so there is a saas element and then there is a consumption element now messaging and uh, voice that we bundle with our offering the gross margins are a little lower but the values are really really high so just to give you some idea the largest deals that we we would have in india today would be like 3 crore 4 crore a month right so 30 crore arr 30 crore arr is like uh, 4 million dollars acv in india right so there are larger deals in terms of acv for pure saas i think anything around 40 50k is where it would start average would be around 
60, 65K and the largest deal, as I said, could be really large, right? Like $4 million uh, ACV also exists. But anything below 30K, I would not call, I would not call enterprise in emerging companies. So 30K would be my cutoff. If your US team has a cutoff of 100K, 30K would be a cutoff in our markets. So 30K meaning broadly in all the three markets. Broadly in all the three markets, in India, you would have more 30K deals, but you'll also have a $4 million deal. The variation in India is really large because you have very large companies and you have mid-sized enterprise also. But in Saudi Arabia, in UAE, you will have more 50K, 60K deals uh, and they would stay in a range. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to understand, see, initially when we launched our enterprise uh, go-to-market, we picked Dubai as our first launch segment for two reasons. Somehow intuitively, I assumed the cost structure is lesser in in dubai and also they might pay a little bit similar to uh, like they have the european products like they, they think more like the british guys are there most of the time right so mm. and, and also they are closer to india yeah. time zone wise plus they have a high respect for india india is seen as like an india brand is is, yeah. is good right they don't you don't think india is cheap because of the tech but I actually, meaning I wanted to understand your view. What is your first two questions here? One is, mm. do you think like going after enterprise markets, like Dubai is a good launch pad? First question. The second question is, to my surprise, the you Dubai salaries are actually quite expensive, actually. Yeah. I, I was initially thought it might not be that expensive. It's actually quite expensive and it is coming closer to US salaries. I don't know what was your experience, but... Saudi, Qatar, Kuwait in the early days did much better for us than UAE. And I was always surprised at why UAE is not clicking for us. And I have a theory for that. If you, if you see the, the buyers in UAE, you have folks who have been there for 10, 15 years, mostly from the India IT space, right? If you, if you look at the IT buyer in UAE, they did not have a lot of respect for Indian IT. Right? They did not think that India is the same brand, which is changing now, which is changing because uh, people have started believing in the India story. So, in fact, it was counterproductive because we had so many Indians in UAE that Indian companies, when they went, he said, yeah, we know how software is built in India. You can't be that good. right?" So having said that, after 15 years of trying today, UAE is my fastest growing segment and, and we are doing really large deals because of the Exodel Ameo merger. We were able to launch pure cloud there. So my first 5 million is going to happen out of Dubai now. Now, advice for new entrepreneurs, Dubai also has a buzzing startup ecosystem. Would strongly recommend for the region, have one, uh, you know, one thread in Dubai and one thread in Saudi and figure out because Saudi also is investing a lot and somehow they compete with Dubai. So if your HQ is in Dubai, they don't like it. But these are the two markets in GCC that you should, you, that one should look at. Now on salaries, if you go to Nokri Dubai and you find people who have been in that market for 10 years, the salaries are still low. It is the Indian startups who are sending people to Dubai. The salaries of sales, salary of delivery folks is really high, obscenely high. So I don't know why this dichotomy exists when I looked at the local salaries and I'm talking about telco enterprise salespeople versus an Indian startup sales guy. It's twice or thrice for the Indian startup sales guy. So we, I think we've got it slightly wrong because we want to do it fast. <laughs> but, but actually, I mean, we are trying to hire from some of our competition, right? Even their salaries are, I mean, maybe because it's a, it's a, in the US uh, companies, maybe they're just yeah. trying to do something like that. No, Suresh, I, I, I have hired an international and my realization is if they are being given expat salaries, hmm. which means people from outside are coming in, especially for this job, the salaries are very high, but there are lots of folks who are based in Dubai, have families there. I've been there for 10, 15 years. The salaries will be, you'll see, you know, clear difference. But the quality is also a little different. But two times, three times, if your GTM and time, uh, you know, time to market justifies it, why not? But that's that's a that's a dichotomy I've observed in Dubai very clearly. Okay, th there are two questions I want to ask. There is this thread that's going on in Twitter around uh, 
what is the per employee contribution of <laughs> of a particular saas company in a uh, per employee contribution right arr look at indian companies are doing like 30 40k uh, mm-hmm. or something like that right uh, <laughs> versus uh, us i stopped company. looking at that metric long time back by the way i mean it's an interesting it's an interesting yeah. mathematical discussion but i, but... I think there is some yeah. connection to this uh, session right i wanted to ask you like your view what is the team composition you see uh being different in emerging market enterprise sales which is different from if you have to do like a, a developed market like america or europe one second uh, related to team composition is in especially in in the gcc market do you need like for example some expats who can talk to some expats and some maybe arabic do we need to have this multicultural uh, gtm team to really succeed coincidentally we seem to have it in naturally in kisflow we ended up getting one person who's actually an irish and one person is from african background and one guy who speaks uh, arabic and stuff like that this is like just naturally happened but i wanted to know like how so i observed this in mauritius by the way mauritius is a very interesting example you have the indian background you have the french background and then they also have this very large population which is bhojpuri speaking interestingly and they used to say french will buy from french indian will buy from indian it makes it a little easy to have the initial conversations but i don't think it matters a lot in your sdr or business development whatever you call it right the the folks who are doing the front ending and you you can use local partners uh, for that right so choose a couple of partners who have Uh, you know a jordanian and egyptian for the arabic a couple of indians dubai has all kinds of people right so yes it helps you open the doors like for example if you know somebody european and a lot of brits are there you can get conversations very easily and we actually have done for for amio and exotel it has been uh, a lot of hard work we we went through the sdr outbound motion and we were setting up appointments sitting in india then somebody was visiting and Uh, and then you know qualifying whether there's an opportunity or not but if one can afford it it is best to have local teams which can represent because that will accelerate the gtm a little bit but i don't think it's a necessary thing is see people keep telling me in mia in all, generally in relation uh, in emerging markets in general and even in india right people say you know what it's a relationship driven market it's it's not purely based on product like in the us it's purely based on product right because yeah. the us is so big like you know even enterprises are now doing inbound right they just google and find a website and put an inquiry and then come <laughs> ask you to do a demo and if they like it they buy it and we we, we have sold to some 600 enterprise customers without meeting them even one meeting in person right is this true first of all a strong proponent of in person relationship especially for enterprise remember in mathematics we used to have this statement called necessary but not sufficient so a product is necessary but not sufficient for you to succeed in these markets these markets have this there's a inherent fear suresh so how do you build that trust either your brand inculcates trust right so the, i think the joke about ibm that nobody gets fired for buying ibm should should be true for our kind of markets right they want to play it safe that my job i'm taking that call so the only other alternative is they can trust you and say our yeah, suresh will be there if something goes wrong and hence the sales folks pre sales folks delivery folks that you are putting in front of the customer they should inculcate that confidence that we'll be there and when i say we our brand will be there and i'll be there right unless you do that the it's not easy to get the first few customers also suresh in enterprise sales you would have observed it right these are not like i have a requirement i go by you know quickly you start having a conversation one year prior on this is a problem i will invest in then there is a budget budgeting exercise that happens then maybe something like an rfp will come out if you are entering at the rfp stage you are already out rfp has been spec for someone right so you need to be involved in person educating conversing very early days if you want to do enterprise deals so which essentially means the enterprise go to market play is a solid 2 years of laying foundation in every yeah. market yeah because you know if you're if you're educating somebody for one year and then putting the rfp 
absolutely next year budget <laughs> that is why i'm saying it's a moat right if you have cracked all those markets and we have done it over last 15 years it's not let's say if somebody has a lot of capital and they still want to go and do business in these 40 countries it's going to be still two years a lot of time lot of money and still it may not succeed right so yeah. i think it's a moat if you establish it you're there for good if you win that trust you're there for good yeah that that's that's phenomenal i think i i hope the audience are listening to this i wanted to not lose the thread and go deeper into this one the natural next question that comes to is how do you generate the pipeline see the traditional enterprise go to market seems to be not having a clear marketing function and a sales function and seems to be everything sales centric which is like mm-hmm. the sales guys generate their own pipeline they have their own sdrs their own bdrs they have the relationships they have their own partner relationships and then build everything and then go sell and then come back but i would love to i have a slightly different view or rather we have done it slightly differently in kispur maybe i can also share about it but sure. love to understand what is your take on it mm. what is the pipeline generation model is it very marketing centric or is it like clubbed with the sales or is it like a hybrid love to understand this i think we would have experimented with every possible structure that's out there uh, <laughs> there are a few insights that i have which i now follow as principles so broadly three channels suresh one is the inbound marketing which is basically somebody discovering you online and i just gave an example a while back that once cto of a telecom in mongolia filled a form on our website and i just we, my first question was where is mongolia and then second question was somebody please validate if he is actually the cto and as soon as we said i said okay now figure out what is the visa process for mongolia and let's just go land there so the first is inbound the second is the sdr outbound motion uh, where you select a certain set of accounts and you're reaching out and the third is channel partners right let's call these three channels now uh, for each segment it's a different behavior india consumer tech 60 70% inbound for us large enterprise in india is sdr plus sales motion i'll talk a lot about this because this is an area which i i think i've uh, experimented and learned a little bit uh, so sdr motion there worked really well for us and the last is international where intuitively everybody will think channel partners but for a good portion of like 60 70% of our motion was sdr outbound and even our partners used to say that how could you sitting in india know about the market more than us right and today my partners complain why are your sdrs not generating uh, opportunities and i would say man hold on actually it's your responsibility we were able to do it really well so sdr outbound for enterprise has been the best motion for us after that in india it will be inbound and uh, outside it will be channel partner now on the sdr motion itself i would not recommend it to be kept with sales if you can afford have a independent function if not put it as part of the demand function in marketing and have clear handoff and accountabilities uh, so define the what we call as sql or isql we call it isql uh, which is sales qualified uh, lead given to sales and then sales has to accept and reject have that handoff criteria nailed and then run it like a clockwork machine right just it can churn opportunities if you get that motion right and you have to keep tweaking as the market changes for us international uh, sales plus sdr is about 65 70% and rest is marketing for india i think it's a 50 50 inbound and outbound because our brand is well known right uh, 90% of the consumer tech is already using us so uh, one final point on on the sdr motion as i said if you put it as part of sales they end up uh, they end up doing sort of what sales wants and sales is very in the moment team right if they are happy uh, nothing will get done if they are sad they will suddenly say okay we need a lot of funnel right so i think you should keep it quite independent of sales as independent as you can uh, but have that two in a box model right two in a box means if the sales guy is succeeding the sdr is also succeeding something like that i've written a lot about this in an article uh, which we can you know link to there was a bloom podcast but this is perhaps the secret sauce for us for uh, emerging market success last point customer success 
sales, SDR, marketing, if you make them responsible, as you lower the number of accounts raised. So let's say you are the you are the account director, I am the customer success guy, and we have an SDR, right? And whole universe that you and I have is 25 accounts, right? Then the amount of depth you get because there's starvation. You can't do anything else, right? Here are the 20 accounts. You're not mapping 1%, 2%, but 10 people in those accounts, right? Right party contacts keep. So I always believe that in enterprise motion, starvation, you can't be reacting only, which means whatever is coming, I will react. No, here is a universe of 25 accounts. Either you say that nothing will happen in these 25 accounts. Give me one account and I will give you one account again. But your universe will stay at 25 accounts. That's the latest that we are doing. We are reducing the number of accounts that we call as enterprise. In India, we used to have 7,500 enterprise accounts, then 2,500 enterprise accounts. Today, it's 600 enterprise accounts in India. right? And rest, everything for us is a different team reporting to the CEO. The sales doesn't bother. The enterprise sales team doesn't bother themselves with this. Tell us deep, deeply about what does it really mean? Is it simply about picking, picking, picking up 25 accounts, mapping them, calling them, prospecting them? Or what is the, what is the so, secret inside? You know, the if secret? you have to call them once, in one month, everything will be over, right? Uh, uh, one month, you can call about 200 people and done. So there are a lot of things that happen. For example, for the consumer tech segment, we keep a tab of whoever has raised series A. It triggers and it becomes an account and somebody will call. Then we keep a track of, let's say there are two, let's say there are 50 accounts, 20 accounts, and there are 200 people in those accounts that are, that are useful to us. If any of them change roles, or change jobs. That's a trigger for us. There is a lot of work to be done if you get these motions to be set up, right? Then there is very good collaboration that happens between marketing and SDR team. Marketing keeps doing these roundtables. And I remember, by the way, last time we were in Dubai, there was a Kiss Flow roundtable happening in the same hotel. And there was an X-Hotel roundtable happening in the same. Right? So in some, some pretext, you are calling, having conversations with the right parties, giving them new insights on what is happening in the industry, what's happening in your product, uh, presenting case studies, making customers speak. So you need to continuously keep engaging with the right parties with the right message. Remember that when they would buy or when the buying cycle will happen is not in your control. Your conviction should be that this account will require the solution and they don't have it today. Then it may take six months, 12 months, uh, even two years for them to take a call that, yes, this is a priority right now. Till such time, you should be top of the mind. That's how we think about it. But but if that is the case, right, how do they meet numbers? Because if they have only 25 accounts and some of them are going to be in education mode. So it's the 25 account analogy has happened for us. And oh, okay, one more big change that we have done, we have let go of this notion of hunting farming now, mm-hmm. right? So essentially, if if you and I are the account director and the customer success of those 20 accounts, all existing revenue is part of RKT, right? So let's say we did 100 crore this year from those 20 accounts. Can we do 130 crore next year from these accounts? That's the that's the game that we are playing, right? There'll be some opportunities. There might be a little bit of churn also, right? So retention, increase, new departments, all those are motions that you and I figure out together that what is going to happen in those accounts. The 20 account thing, already about 5 to 10 of them would be customers of Exotel, right? So there is already a substantial base that has been built. And that is why only the growth has to be done, right? So if I if I am at 100, uh, let's say 30 has to be added. A lot of it is organic growth. Most Indian companies are growing by 15, 20% at least. And then you add a little bit of 10 to 15% of new business. And that is how they meet the numbers. But growth of existing revenue is the target. Again, this is something that we can do at Exodel stage when we are at 400, 500 crore ARR. For a, you know, if you're just setting up maybe a hunting structure, getting the first 10 accounts and then a customer success structure, which is flat, uh, might work better. But once you have a substantial set of accounts already as your customers, the two-in-a-box model works better. What are the tools that your SDR, uh, uh, this outbound team uses? Uh, for this whole purpose because the thing that you say right you know somebody changes the jobs i get an alert somebody gets a seed funding i get an alert because you know we can't keep monitoring as human beings right so you need to use a lot of tools and technologies and and integrate all of them into a single crm system actually there's a joke about this so the first crm that we used in ameo there used to be a crm called sugar 
I think there was a spin-off into Suit CRM, which was open source. And we customized the hell out of Suit CRM and never bought any packaged product, right? Then I think five years back, we realized that we are actually doing exactly opposite of what we are selling in the market, right? How can homegrown tools outdo packaged products? And Salesforce happened for us, which I think was a blessing. So today, marketing, sales, SDR, customer success, support, everything is on Salesforce. So on the sales side, CPQ, on the RevOps, Tableau integrated into Salesforce. Marketing, actually a lot of tools, man. Uh, and team keeps changing. Uh, for example, there are trigger base where you get account triggers. There is an ABM tool. Then uh, for databases, multiple databases from Lucia to ZoomInfo, wherever we can find, uh, you know, right party contacts. And then the the stuff that I was talking about, Suresh, we used to, we used to have a team called research team within the SDR function. And that was also sort of the training ground for people. So very young people following SOPs, basically scanning and then putting those triggers. And that also worked. LinkedIn is the source for uh, most of these things, right? So we have LinkedIn subscription for most of the SDRs and the search team and sales guys. That's the most expensive tool that we have. Okay. Actually, the last topic I would like to touch, I don't think we will be able to go to the merger. (laughs) Maybe we should do a part two, man, but we are still stuck in part one. Uh, In part one itself, the last topic I would like to talk about is marketing. What is working in marketing? Because, see, for example, in the SMB mid-market segment, when Kissflow used to operate, predominantly it was Google AdWords and stuff like yeah. that, right? We we kind of completely stopped it. <laughs> in, because uh, to scale Google AdWords to uh, generate SM enterprise accounts is just not working. Yeah. Okay. So that's a trigger I want to see it in your mind without putting answers in your mouth. Sure. I want to know what the answers are, which is, what sure. kind of marketing is working to generate pipeline for for sales? We moved SDR function away from sales. We really felt that what is we asked the question, what is the KPI of SDR? Right? We asked the question, okay, their KPI is to generate pipeline. So which function owns pipeline as a KPI? Mm-hmm. We said, okay, marketing function owns pipeline. So because then what they can also give as input to SDRs is what we call as this warm uh, inquiries, which are anonymous visitors coming from a company yeah. uh, into a website, which we, they're not ready to fill an inquiry. So all those warm leads, marketing is willing to give it to SDR because now they are part of their function. <laughs> right? yeah. And yeah. marketing is accountable for the demand uh, pipeline. So I think we align that. So I think it's working, working really well. Coming back. As far as marketing concerned, what marketing activities are actually producing the successful pipeline in a cost-effective manner? So, Suresh, over the years, the head of marketing, what is he or she responsible for? We've had various thoughts. I'll tell you what it has come to now. So, for example, we don't give a lot of weightage to pipeline. Mm -hmm. We actually say marketing source revenue or marketing source OB. Now, we have even said marketing-influenced OB and market, marketing influence revenue. Right? What does OB mean? What, what is it? Oh, OB is order book, which means, order for book. example, if you put a $1 million ARR, that's an order. But when you actually realize it is the revenue. Right? Yeah, so true. there was one account in UAE, very large account that our sales team was pursuing. This was an opportunity in the CRM and it suddenly went cold. And this is like a $1.5 million ARR opportunity. Right. I have met them. There's an executive connect that has happened and suddenly they've gone cold. Marketing got a round table done in UAE and we got one guy from this account somehow to attend. And incidentally, in that same, in that same forum, his batchmate was also there who was our existing customer. And these two hit it off and the existing customer said, man, I love Exotel. And this guy said, oh, we were almost ruling them out, but we will bring them in again. Now, where do you attribute this opportunity, right? Now, <laughs> this is the reality of enterprise sales, right? This, this is what is actually happening on the ground. So we do measure marketing sourced opportunities. And then we ask sales that you, you from your existing pipeline, 
tell us opportunities that you feel are getting a little weak or you require management level connect executive connect you want to go after you want to invest in those opportunities even even when they are opportunities and then market will give a budget to marketing that you can spend some money on existing opportunities also and if you are able to prove an engagement like in this case the guy came at the event and <clears throat> there was an engagement then we will also attribute that to marketing source to be marketing source revenue now this is really complex i don't think there are tools to do it in an automated manner ultimately in enterprise the role of marketing is going to be create more opportunities to engage i want to call out we earlier used to think of branded events large events like jitex for example as as where we should be now we are a strong strong believers of round tables focus round tables uh you know 10 15 10 15 people from prospect a couple of customers and then leadership from the side that is working the best for us in terms of channel in new acquisition get people from the same vertical same function in a company to talk i think they then discover you discover problems that exist in the industry in those conversations and at least have one customer who can who can validate that yes this company can deliver that is the best channel for enterprise today internationally in india interestingly for exotel it's still inbound uh, so if we get inbound from i mean even a hdsc ergo will fill a inbound inquiry on exotel so i think that is because of the brand the right. brand is yeah. really really large the last uh, 30 seconds for you to summarize and tell us emerging markets go to market what are the like Three to five takeaways somebody should uh, keep in mind if I'm a founder yeah. going to attack this market. Just uh, three to five. So first, uh, first, don't just react. I think we could have chosen markets a little better. The order of markets, do a little bit of research, validation of the market before you, uh, before you double down on it. Second, don't start too many markets at the same time. Each market is going to take a lot of time and patience and effort. so maybe two markets at a time max so each yeah. country would be a different market so select with research don't start uh, too many markets at the same time second third uh, focus on your uh, sdr motion and research don't spray and pray once you enter one segment try and get to adjacencies faster rather than opening more verticals again select 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 is the formula yaar mm-hmm. uh, i think icp is a term that is talked about a lot but have the validation on the icp whether this segment has a problem in uae it's real estate for me in saudi arabia it's insurance right so yeah i think those would be three rest don't listen to any ideas including mine uh, as mantra uh, figure out validate uh, be an experimenter that is the only way only way to grow uh, and uh, yeah last what we discovered don't die survive don't die uh, and and actually also the one bit i wanted to add uh, reinforce what uh, sachin said all we are giving you is anecdotal examples of what worked for us i think it's each company is unique and that's why startups are difficult to succeed because you have a unique it's a different product different value proposition different icp different market everything is different different pricing probably different positioning different way of articulating so i think you got to take all these inputs and then do it but then i think one thing which sachin talked about you want to add to the list of takeaways is that it takes 2 years for you to set up a market and start seeing results so if you you can't pull out of the market after like 12 months you haven't seen results we 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 have to invest more than 2 years in a particular market for you to see success in enterprise sales because the first year you spent a foundation second year is where you start filling up all your rfps and you know <laughs> codes and everything and then you start seeing results after that so with that i want to end uh, this part maybe hopefully it's only part 1 part 2 i don't know i'll try and see if we can get the time for such <laughs> again uh, to talk about the merger story of exotel and amio and that's something that i'm equally thrilled to listen to wonderful sachin i, I think this was phenomenal i think um, i love it thank you thank Thanks you thank you so much suresh uh, i recommend everybody to listen to this at 1.5x Uh, this is a long <laughs> conversation lastly suresh if uh, if i may there is a program called sgx in sasbumi that uh, we run for startups which are around or sub 1 million f- focusing on gtm uh, and gtm focused problems cohort 5 is starting now keep a watch out for cohort 6 if you are a sub 1 million that is when we do a deep dive on uh, gtm for your company uh, and it's very very valuable so yeah do check yeah, it out to, uh, if you yeah this will be in charge sasbumi is doing this uh, growth sgx 
it's called yeah. GrowthX. Uh, for companies who have found the product market fit, but less than yeah, uh, one million, million. That's and want to scale the GTM. So <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of companies who have taken advantage of the experience that uh, founders like us have. Thank you, Suresh. It was always uh, it is always a pleasure to talk to you and looking forward to having more conversations. Same here. Same here. Same yeah. here. Bye. Let's try and see if we can do the part two. Bye. 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 Cheers. Bye.